Good morning, everyone. I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be speaking to you from my living room today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, today, I'm going to step away from our study in the Gospel of John. We'll resume that in a few weeks. In light of the horrific killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers, I want to talk with you about the great need and great opportunity we have as individuals and as a community to dig into the holy work of racial justice. It is central to our spiritual formation as followers of Jesus. Now, I appreciate the good foundation that Jeff and Q laid for us in thinking about racial justice. I've listened to several of Jeff's messages this week to help educate myself. And I appreciate the work our staff is doing to lead us forward as we put ideas and words into action. You and I are called to become like Jesus and to represent him well on this earth. Now we do this by learning to see what our Father is doing and joining him in his work. What is God doing at a time like this? I think he's doing what Psalm 9, 7 to 10 says, but the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice, rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. You can trust God at a time like this, in a time where we're dealing with two viruses, uh, the COVID virus and the virus of racism in our country. He will not abandon you as you look for him. God is doing what Jesus says in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of God's favor has come. Friends, we can have great hope because of what God is doing now. And Jesus is calling you and me to join him in this great work. He sent the same Holy Spirit who anointed him to lead and empower you and I to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. He's called us to be ministers of reconciliation, reconciling people with God and with each other. Uh, I believe we have a huge opportunity right now to make a real difference in our city and in our nation if we step forward and use our voices and our influence to speak out for racial justice and systemic change. I pray that God will bring good out of the horrific killing of George Floyd, the shootings of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, to wake up our nation and bring about the changes we so desperately need. Let's seize the opportunity that's in front of us now and speak out using the influence and gifts that God has given us. I realize that I'm speaking as a 70-year-old as a white male who's lived in a place of privilege my whole life. Though I didn't come from a family with a lot of money, the doors were always open for me to get a good education, to work, to buy a home, to have access to good health care, to experience protection from the police. Uh, when I was pulled over for speeding, maybe one or two times in my life, I wasn't happy about getting a ticket, but I never feared for my life. I never had to wonder how I would be treated because of the color of my skin. I speak as a white male with privilege. And, and I feel somewhat awkward speaking about this right now. What do I actually know about this? I have so much to learn. I plan to educate myself 
and I plan to use my voice wherever I have the influence to advocate for racial justice and systemic change. As I was watching the protests in Minneapolis and St. Paul and around our nation these last couple weeks, I couldn't help but think back to protests that took place 50 years ago. In July of 1967, protests and riots took place in North Minneapolis and in Detroit and in Newark, New Jersey. People in each of these cities were protesting racial discrimination and the lack of housing and job opportunities and police brutality. Businesses, restaurants, and residences were destroyed. And the next year, in April of 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Our whole country was in turmoil. I came to Jesus during that time, in the fall of 1968. I had found hope and a purpose for the first time in my life. I had always wanted to work to change the world, to make it a better place for everyone, but now I was following someone who was actually doing that through his people. So I applied for a summer ministry opportunity through the campus ministry that I was part of. I was accepted, I raised support, and I went to New York City to work with the Billy Graham team for six weeks as a gopher, as a counselor, working in a coffee house. I saw hundreds and thousands of people begin a relationship with Jesus. It was amazing. And then we went to Newark, New Jersey, and spent six weeks working with a former Episcopal priest, Bill Iverson. He had tried to lead his church out into the streets to help rebuild the city of Newark and to work for racial reconciliation. They said, yes, yes. But when he went out on the street, they locked the door behind him and fired him. Now he had family and he needed to work. He, he was a good short order cook, so he opened a restaurant in Newark, the only restaurant that was open in, in downtown at that time, and he made burgers. He listened to people's stories across the counter. And when it was appropriate, he shared his own story of how Jesus was sharing, changing his life. This morphed into a nonprofit ministry called Cross Counter Incorporated. And I worked with him for two summers when I was 19 and 20 years old. Uh, we worked with churches who were helping rebuild the city. The first summer I was there, I coached basketball with some of the very best basketball players I've ever coached. Uh, they used to make fun of me. They made fun of my whiteness. You know, I'm like, I'm really white. They said on the white spectrum, you are like extremely white. And uh, we joked around, but we, we became friends. One day, one of the leaders uh, of our ministry asked me to go to the juvenile detention center with him. And I asked him, well, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to teach the Bible? And he said, well, probably not. We're going to teach math. Uh, I was... I was very nervous. I'd never been to a juvenile detention center, let alone one in uh, a majority African-American city. I'm white, and on the white spectrum, yes, I'm on the very white end. I can't even get a 10 to save my life. Uh, my leader said, are you any good at math? And I said, oh, I love math. He said, you'll be fine. I was. These young men were either in junior high and high school, a little older. Most of them didn't even know why they'd been arrested and they had to wait 12 to 18 months for their court date because the courts were so backed up in Newark. I asked my friend, how did you start tutoring at the juvenile detention center? He said, I was a really broken guy when I came to Jesus. I was praying one day, and I had a thought run through my mind that I think was from him. You're pretty good at math. Why don't you help the kids at the detention center? So I just started. I enjoy helping others, and I'm being healed every time I go. 
He said, do you remember the little boy who gave his lunch and Jesus fed 5,000 families? Well, just give him what you have. See what he'll do. John Wesley once said, do all the good you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. Now, I felt very inadequate as I coached, tutored, helped plan block parties, listened to people's stories. The people were so kind to me, so interested in why a white kid from rural Minnesota would come all the way to Newark to help rebuild their city. I told them Jesus was changing my life, that he could change theirs. Now, I don't know what happened in their lives, but I do know that my life was changed forever. My second year, I had to, got to co-lead a team with a brilliant young man, African-American young man from Brooklyn, New York. I learned so much from him. He said he learned things from me. I hope he did. But Jesus was being formed in me. Now today, I still worry about saying the wrong thing in the wrong way. I worry about being tone deaf and clueless as a white male when it comes to racial justice and the need for systemic change. But I know it's the humble ones who get grace from God. So I want to encourage all of you who feel like me. Sorry, here. Let's humble ourselves. Let's do the hard and holy work of prayer and lamenting, of listening, of learning, of loving in practical ways. Now, where can you and I find the encouragement we need to do this good work? I've been drawn to Romans 12 this week, and I found Paul's words so very helpful and relevant. So I want us to look at what he has to say. Paul answers three questions that I've been asking. Where do I start? What do I do? How do I express God's heart well now? So where do I start? This is Romans 12, 1 to 2. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Interesting to me, Paul starts with, give your bodies to God. Now, I know he's talking about our whole lives there, our everyday, our ordinary, excuse me, uh, lives. But I think he's specifically talking about our bodies for a good reason, because we do everything through our bodies. We speak, I'm speaking to you through my voice. You're listening to me, hopefully, uh, with your ears. You know, you see me on the screen. We think, we feel, we use our hands and feet to do good. Paul is very practical here. Let God work in your heart and then through your body. Speak up for justice. Serve with your hands and your heart. Think, write, listen, care for others. Work with your hands both to, to maybe rebuild. Maybe you have construction skills and you can rebuild in the city. Maybe you can paint. Maybe you can bring food to people. Maybe you can work at your job so well and save money so that you have some margin to help others. Now, I'm amazed that God called me to serve him and his people with my mouth. Preaching and teaching, encouraging and leading, counseling, prophesying. 
because I had a terrible mouth growing up. I, I fought with my mouth. I criticized people. I cut them down to size, as it were. I cursed a lot. Doesn't God have a funny sense of humor? His power is made perfect in our weakness. Now, as we and I are being formed in Christ, I think the first step is to exchange your narrative of how life works, of who God is, who you are, and who other people are, for Jesus' narrative of who God is, who you are, and who others are. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Paul says, this is how we are transformed. God transforms us by changing the way we think. Now, you and I can exchange the story of how systems in our city and country work against people of color for Jesus' story of how, of how he wants systems to work to benefit all peoples. All right, so where do we start? We give our bodies to God. But what do, you, what do you and I do? Romans 12, 3 continues. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God's given you. Friends, it is so helpful to learn to see yourself honestly. John Wimber, one of the early founders of the Vineyard, used to tell us, you're only as good as you are. You're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> and that's why God provides tests for us in life, to show us where we've grown and where we need to grow. My father, who was a lifelong educator, used to tell me, John, don't be afraid of tests. Tests are your friends. Uh, I looked at him and like, I wasn't so sure about that. But he said, tests are designed to help you know what you've learned and what you need to learn. I have so much more to learn about being self-aware and culturally sensitive. Maybe you do too. He goes on in Romans 12, 4 to 8. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. And one of the ways Jesus becomes formed more and more in you is also by being part of a family, part of, a, of the body of Christ, part of the mercy family, but part of the worldwide body of Christ. One of the things we can see and learn and grow in during this, uh, both COVID time and this time of fighting racism is we can accomplish so much more if we work together and appreciate each other. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul emphasizes the great variety of gifts. There's not one gift, there's many. And in Romans 12, he's saying, yes, with these many gifts, use them. Use them. Use the gifts that God's given you to serve him and the people around you. And, you know, this is how God's grace actually moves into the world. For example, if you pray for someone for healing, okay, and God's power comes as you, as you pray for them, that's a gift of grace. That's the way God's grace comes and changes their life, whether it's their body or their mind. All of these gifts carry God's grace. They're like grace packages. So prophesying, what's that? That's sharing what God sees in a person or in a, in a group or in a situation. 
and seeing his heart for that person or group or situation. Uh, Paul encourages us to be eager to prophesy, for it will encourage people, it will comfort, it will help people move forward in life. One of the ways we can share God's heart and what he sees is through the peaceful protests that are going on right now. Martin Luther King Jr. championed this so well. Serving, we can see needs and meet them. People that I know that are really gifted at serving, they see needs kind of like faster than I do, and they just step in to do something. Do that. Teaching. Explaining the story of Jesus and applying his teaching to everyday life in the situations we live in right now. That's what I'm trying to do now. That's what we as a staff are trying to do. And encouraging, cheering others on, giving them the courage to keep going and not quit. Giving, being generous and open-handed with all of our resources. And leading. You know, it's a temptation at a tough time of leading. This is the toughest time that I have ever lived through as a leader, both with the COVID virus and now uh, racism as it's uh, exposed itself again in our country. But I don't want to shrink back. I want to step forward. I want to take the responsibility and the privilege God's given me. God's given each of you leadership, whether it's in your home or in your business, in your neighborhood, uh, with mercy I want to encourage you, take it. God will help you. Showing kindness, extending yourself, meeting the needs of others. And as Eugene Peterson says in his translation, without getting irritated or depressed by the overwhelming needs that are out there. All right, so how do we get started? We give our bodies to God. What do we do? We use all the gifts. We use the gifts God's given you to serve well. So how do you and I express God's heart well at a time like this? Romans 12, 9, 9 to 21 is such an amazing passage. Paul starts with, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. In other words, don't fake it. Be genuine. Be who you are. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. You know, I have found that in order for me to break free of my personal and persistent sins, I must choose to hate them. I can't tolerate them. I can't try to deny that they're there, avoid them. I have to face them straight up, and I have to hate them. Hate and love are like two sides of the same coin. They're both, there's passion in both of those words, isn't there? So I think for corporate sins, like racism, to be broken in our nation and around the world, we as individuals and as a community must choose to hate racism. Hate systemic evil the way God does. And I believe peaceful protests are a powerful way to express this hatred of what is wrong and what is evil. Jesus hated evil and injustice. He didn't tolerate it. He didn't ignore it. He stepped into it. He got very angry, even enraged at times when people were not being treated with respect and love. I can think of four times. One, he was very angry uh, when the Gentiles were being kept from worshiping God in the temple. So he overturned the tables of the money changers. He was very angry at the hard-hearted religious leaders who didn't want a man with a withered arm to be healed on the Sabbath day. It was the wrong day. Can you believe it? So he said, stretch out your hand to this man, and he was healed immediately. Jesus was very angry when children were hindered from coming to him, and he said, let the children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And he was deeply troubled and very angry and enraged at the death of Lazarus. 
I believe he is that angry at the death of George Floyd. He was angry at how death tears up families, how it was tearing up Mary and Martha, and he raised Lazarus from the dead, and then he destroyed death by dying himself and rising from the dead. And hold on to what's good. Treasure it. Cling to it. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. I encourage you, thank people for what they're doing now. Show appreciation to them. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. You know, uh, the kingdom of God comes slowly, and it's easy to get tired and want to quit. Paul says, don't be lazy, but serve with Jesus with enthusiasm and zeal. The kingdom of God is a slow kingdom coming, but we must not give up. We must persevere. Paul tells the Galatians, you will reap if you don't give up. And friends, rejoice in the hope we have. Jesus has won the great victory. He will return one day, and we will have a fully restored new heaven and new earth where only justice dwells. On the way to that day, everything you and I do for justice really matters. And let's be patient in trouble. Uh, let's be patient and persistent. And let's keep on praying. And let's love those who are different from us. That's what hospitality is. And you know, those of us who are, are working and have our full income still coming, I would encourage you, save what you can so that you can be ready to help those in need. Uh, because of your generous giving as a Mercy family, we've been able to give over $8,000 to people from our COVID care fund. And you can continue to give to this fund. Paul continues in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I love that. Don't think you know it all. Uh, I love that too. Uh, never pay back evil with more evil. Martin Luther King Jr. used to say, Hate cannot eradicate hate. It just increases it. It's only love that can break the power of hate. So don't pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable and do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Be a peacemaker. And he finishes with, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, let me just back up. So God will hold everyone accountable for what they do. We do the best we can in our society, and we need to do better. But God is perfect at this. And when he takes revenge, it doesn't blow back on him and harm him. It, it does when we try to do that. I'm not talking about peaceful protests. I'm not talking about expressing yourself with passion and force. I'm talking about revenge. Let's leave that to God. But this is what we can do. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Notice it's, it's he says your enemies. Now, of course, we want to do this with our friends. We love doing that with our friends. But those that maybe don't like you so much, 
Go out of your way to love them. Feed them. Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And finally, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Paul tells us to bless those who may persecute you. Not everyone will love you as you speak up and do the work that we need for racial justice. Don't be surprised. Don't curse them back. Pray for God to do good to them. Live in harmony and enjoy being with ordinary folks. My friends, I want to encourage you to read and meditate on Romans 12 this week. Would you... Would you pray and ask God to show you how you can use the gift he's given you to serve others? Would you choose to lament and grieve with George Floyd and his family and friends and all those who are so suffering right now? Would you listen to God and to your brothers and sisters of color? Give them the space they need, but listen when they want to talk with you. And would you commit yourself to learning to educate yourself, and to love well. The Holy Spirit's with you and I to produce the life of Jesus in and through us at this time and at all times. Uh, I want to pray for us now. Lord, I thank you so much that you've come to change this world. You've come to change our lives. You've come to, to uh, recruit us and involve us in your great work. Lord, give us the courage, the confidence, the hope, the love, everything we need. Lord, would you help us be aware of the gifts we have and what we can do, Lord? It's so easy to think about what we can't do, where we are unable to do things. Would you help us see what we can do today and tomorrow and the next day? And would you give us the strength to continue this good work and to persevere in it? Lord, bring justice to our land. Bring healing to our land. Work in all of us. Help us to do all the good we can to everyone we can, as long as we ever can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And now uh, Tommy and his, and his uh, family is going to come and lead us in worship, and it's going to be awesome. I'll be back at the end to lead you in communion and guide you toward uh, our prayer rooms. Thanks for listening today.